if someone says that's not opera to me, then I know I've crossed a line and I should keep going. <laughs> I want to feel like I'm playing Zelda when I go to an opera. <laughs> the world beyond. Emotion is of tomorrow. Brought to you by Michael Mack. Hello, I'm Michael Mark. Welcome to a special Aria edition of my podcast, The World Beyond the Emotioneers of Tomorrow, where we delve into the realm of cutting-edge XR technology and explore the fascinating developments within the Aria community. Today, my very exciting guest is Debbie Wong. Debbie is an interdisciplinary performance artist who loves to combine sound, text, movement, and technology to create contemporary stories. Her performances have been described as unique and magical, as well as electric and poignant. She is the founding artistic director of Renaissance Opera in Vancouver. She has created several notable projects with Renaissance, including Aces and Galatea and Orpheus VR, an interactive virtual reality opera that was featured at the 2020 Vancouver International Film Festival. Debbie Wong is known for her innovative approach of the art of opera, particularly through the integration of new technologies such as virtual reality. And she's here today at Europa Park in person as part of the Aria Awards. I'm so thrilled to have you here. Thank you for joining me, Debbie. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be back. To begin the talk, I always like to challenge my guest with a provocative statement question. <laughs> Will you allow me to provoke you a bit? Yes. <laughs> In a world dominated by digital art and technology, do you think that traditional forms of performance art, as represented in the opera, can remain relevant at all? Oh, I love this question, and I like being provoked in this way. <laughs> Um, I do. I think that the way that we engage or the way that we have learned about traditional arts like opera or classical dance is a great example too, has always been through the history of uh, the creators and the people and the works that they have created. But today, I think what's so exciting is looking at those art forms through their histories of innovation and especially technical innovation. So opera was always a platform for emerging technologies whether it was like a 17th century wind machine that suddenly creates this feeling of being in a storm um, to today where we can start integrating things like motion capture or um, extended realities into it. I think that history of innovation is what keeps our traditional art forms relevant. So you believe that the opera is not dead yet? No, but maybe some forms of opera could sit down for a little bit. <laughs> Okay. Um, could you take us uh, on a journey into your personal evolution within the sector of performance, art and opera? What pivotal moments of influences ignited your passion for this unique fusion of disciplines? Yeah, I, um, I've always loved classical music, even as a small child. I've been studying classical music since I was three years old. And um, I grew up learning piano, learning singing in choirs. Um, and finally, when I got to university, it was there that I started realizing that I could start experimenting with my art forms, um, try new things. And um, I remember uh, my one of my first mentors, I, I always was very obsessed with um, technical perfection in my performance and feeling like there wasn't space for my own creative and artistic instincts. And I remember one of my teachers saying to me, there's no such thing as the classical music police. They're not going to come get you if you decide to do something different on stage. 
And it was such a funny little sentence, but suddenly all the rules were out the door for me. I started just trying everything I possibly could from just something as simple as adding acting into a recital, a classical music recital, to now suddenly today where it's about bringing in as any kind of emerging technology we can get our hands on. I mean, obviously, we're all early adopters, like bringing VR headsets mm -hmm. on a roller coaster, you experimenting with technology into the opera. I, I would assume that not everybody was clapping their hands when somebody comes <laughs> around the, the corner and says, like, oh, let's do it completely different like you've been doing it before. I mean, how was that feeling and your, your way through um, to where you are nowadays? Yeah, I think I, I've gone through a growth with that whole thing as well. I think there's, again, that perfectionist in me really wanted to be validated by people who have been in opera or the the institutions that I really admired. And um, But instead, I've often met up with the resistance of um, that's not opera or what are you doing or what do you really want to be or is that really where we're going with this art form? And that used to be very defeating at first. Um, but I think as I started pushing more boundaries and discovering new things and um, especially discovering new audiences, I started realizing that that's a good gauge for whether or not I've pushed the boundary far enough. If someone says that's not opera to me, then I know I've crossed a line and I should keep going. <laughs> Yeah, there's an old saying, if everybody say you can't do it, you're even more sure you're on the right path. But, <laughs> so I think like Oprah and new technology, that sounds to me as a a huge uh, undertaking of uh, of being where you are right now. Um, <laughs> so um, among the innovation projects at Renaissance Opera, could you delve into one project that holds particular significance um, to you on your journey? How does this project challenge traditional notions of an opera and push the boundaries of artistic expression? Yeah, right now we're working on a project called Live from the Underworld um, and Eurydice Fragments. And um, the project started as an interactive virtual reality game. Everything existed inside the Oculus Quest, and we started designing it even before the Quest existed. We imagined um, an immersive and interactive and visually stunning, musically stunning experience for our audiences, and we designed banking on this technology coming out. When it did come out, we realized we were missing that live performance feel. And so we thought, what does it mean to take things out of the headset and put them back on stage, but find that hybrid world of virtual and in real life? Um, so Live from the Underworld uses real-time motion capture. But as we started working with these digital avatars, we realized that Uh, we could combine the virtuosity of many performers into one single avatar. So in, you know, in traditional opera, we see one performer doing the acting and the singing and all the things, um, which has its own magic. But with these new technologies, we thought what would it be like to combine the virtuosity of our contemporary ballet dancer with the virtuosity of our opera singer or the virtuosity of a hip-hop artist with the virtuosity of a ballet dancer? What does it mean to start combining all these different art forms to create these completely unique characters that we don't see on stage in real time? So that excitement of being able to bring many talents together also opened up many different styles of performance to come together. We we just kept thinking of new mashups between art forms. And so Life from the Underworld is very much a combination of um, the virtuosity of opera singing, the virtuosity of hip hop, the virtuosity of uh, classical dance and street dance. And it's a really interesting project in that way. 
So if you, if you take us a little bit on your journey for those who don't know you, I mean, you just talked about the underworld experience. When, when did you premiere that? And when you look back to your last, let's say, five to ten years, I mean, <laughs> how did, um, just to give the, the listeners a little bit of an understanding, um, what have you done the last five years? Where can we see the things you create? Um, when was it premiered? Was it, um, like, just give them a little bit of information uh, Uh, where we have the chance to experience your uh, creations. Sure, sure. Um, the last five years, uh, it, it's been quite chaotic, I think, in a way, because uh, at Renaissance, we we don't just create live performance. We are trying many different forms of storytelling. Um, so the virtual reality opera was the first thing that we really tested out. And I think working with creative technologists and video game developers um, really brought me into this space of iterative performance. So every single thing that we've done has been some sort of like iteration and tweak of what we've been working on. Um, so the virtual reality opera was something you could experience at the film festival. Um, it's it, We didn't launch it in a commercial way. It was something that we had as installations or add-ons to other places. Um, then Live from the Underworld premiered as a uh, live stream performance um, over YouTube Live um, where audience members could interact with the story. And we released it in episodes. So the first episode, um, audiences would vote on which way the story would go. And then depending on how that episode ended, we would start building the next episode and the next storyline and um, environment. So the audience was very much a part of it with us. We are now turning that into a fully immersive in-person show um, with interactive orchestration and our real-time motion capture. And that will premiere this year in Vancouver um, in September 2024. And then we'll tour after that. So. And the first experience, when was that? The first, the VR one was in 2020. 2020. Yeah. And in between those things, we've created um, an immersive podcast, a magazine. We kind of, we, we test our, we test out the waters in many different storytelling forms. Was there anything similar being done? I mean, by listening to you, it sounds all very exciting and different. Like, did you get any inspiration or did you just like, bam, here I am and let's do something new? <laughs> I'm, I'm very, that's very much my personality. I'm a very much a bam, here I am, let's do this. I have no fear. Um, but I have great team members that are like, well, should we think about this? Should we jam this out a little bit? So I think it's a, a good balance. Um, but I was in 2020, well, we started building the VR opera two years before that. So we were very much very new in the space. And um, I, we, we could very much be the first into an interactive opera in a VR headset. And I just remember... I, I play a lot of video games. I love video games. And I just remember having this moment uh, thinking like, why can't my art form combine video games? There's so many similarities to me. And that's really what set me on this path. I, I want to feel like I'm playing Zelda when I go to an opera. <laughs> so, um, I mean, obviously you are combining a lot of things together, bringing new formats of art um, out there. I guess that a lot of people of the traditional opera Uh, approaching you, uh, debating with you, or is that not the case yet? Uh, it's a little bit of both. I think um, I think we we get a lot of side eye a little bit, just sort of like, what is she doing now? And I we also experience a lot of enthusiasm. People are excited to know more. But I think um, in the traditional arts world or in in yeah traditional opera, we 
Um, we aren't trained to use any kind of creative technology. Um, and so I think there's just a big understanding barrier as well. Um, so the best way to communicate our work is for people to come see it. And uh, I think there's still some trepidation about adopting these really new technologies into that specific art form. But I think also our work really defies those uh, those art forms. We work inside the operatic space, but it can live in theater and music and dance as easily. Have you ever heard, just out of my curiosity, I, I was just reading that the Stranger Thing musical opened in London, which oh. a lot of people did tell me it was a new form of opera, like a, a lot of combination of new technology. Have you heard anything about that? Or? No, but I'm going to look it up and that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it just, it just premiered like a couple of weeks ago in London and oh, somebody cool. told me you have to see that. It's never been done before. I, I didn't see it myself, but apparently... It's quite uh, refreshing and um, never been done before. Um, your performances seamlessly weave together sound, text, movement and technology. How does this interdisciplinary approach enhance the storytelling aspect of your work? I mean, you've been talking about a computer game, you want to play Zelda, <laughs> but what um, possibility does it open for artistic expression that may not be achievable through traditional means? I think it actually comes down to uh, dramaturgy, uh, everything that we do. Um, when we're really thinking about our stories, it's not uh, about like making a flashy story. It's about setting up everything from the creative process to um, the tools that we use to tell a story to why we're telling a story. Um, there's a lot of thought and development that goes into the pre-production and the creation of a work. Um, so some of the things that we've left behind um, as a very basic example is like music musical scores. Um, if you're a classically trained musician, it's very focused on musical literacy, but some of the most virtuosic and amazing performers that I know in music don't read scores. They weren't taught music that way. They were taught it in an embodied way. And so when we get rid of things like this that we are taught are sort of like, you know, the things that you must know to be a professional, when we get rid of those, it I'm always curious about, like, how does that open up the art form in a new way? Um, same with when we bring something in, like live motion capture um, or any kind of think design thinking from, you know, the video game world. How does that change the way and opera can be created or any art form can be created? And how does it change who can create that? Um, so I think those little tweaks that we make along the way just open it up for, for more and more people to come in audiences too not just the creators so when you tell like more and more people coming in like when when from a from a visitor's perspective like mm -hmm. as i understood correctly um the renaissance let's say shows and operas are only available online or in a digital world or are you planning to put something also into the analog world Yeah, we do. We do both. So, um, and we um, we give performances of every phase of development. So when we're creating a new work, it's not that we're sitting with pen and paper and figuring things out and rehearsing it behind closed walls. Um, we usually like do one week of intensive development, all the creative technologists, all the performers come together, they're jamming out ideas in real time and they have a time container. It's a stressful one week and then they're performing it for a live audience and the audience is going to tell us immediately if they like it or not. If they jump out of the seat when they see that first 20 minutes of what we've been developing, we know we're on the right path. If it's those uh, slow claps and obligatory cheers, then we know that we've got some work to do. So it's... Um, Yeah, it's a very iterative, collaborative process um, with our audience and with each other as well. So people get to experience that in real life as well. Looking forward, what is your overarching vision of the future of Renaissance opera? 
Are there specific goals or projects you hope to pursue in the coming years that align with your artistic vision? Oh, <laughs> that's a tough one. Um, I think the the thing that we've realized at Renaissance Opera is the word opera is very challenging. Um, in some ways, it's really fun to be inside of a sector and really changing it from the inside out. But as you've we've sort of talked about today, it's also challenging being uh, at the front of that or the only ones or one of few trying to do that. We've really found a home in the immersive entertainment space. And so we're thinking about what does it mean to really be creating these immersive live performances as well as immersive digital experiences. And if we shift our thinking into that space, what's that going to mean? So we're really excited to be building out our full in-person production of Eurydice Fragments right now. And uh, and we'll see how that does once it starts touring. So, I mean, you've been in that Oprah world for, I think, as long as I've been into the theme park business. <laughs> um, uh, having no knowledge about your world, or very little knowledge, what do you think, where do we stand in terms of technology, of, uh, of terms of um, making it available for even more people? Um, I mean, we're meeting today at the Aria Ward where all those... Nobody wants them kids <laughs> meeting, <laughs> meeting each other. But uh, when, 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 <laughs> when do you think we're going to be the loved ones and everybody needs our technology <laughs> and our experiences? Oh, <laughs> I think if I would, I was going to turn that around, I would say that what we offer is we get to be at the forefront of innovating storytelling and defining what the future of storytelling is. So if everyone wanted us or everyone thought we were doing what the status quo should be, then we would not be sitting at the forefront of it. And uh, even though I do sometimes feel upset and sad and depressed about this, I do love pushing that boundary. And I love being at the front of it and being able to define where it's going. And that's sort of how I, I think about what we're doing. So as soon as I start feeling like that everyone wants it or, or that I am the You're status quo. Yeah, bored. I get okay. bored. It's like, what's next? <laughs> so but coming back, like you didn't answer the question fully. What do you think? Like, does it take another 10 years and we're totally depressed? No, we're not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've just been riding roller coasters. Uh, in 10 years time, are we all uh, watching Oprah the way you're doing it? You know what? Well, I, I also think that art forms or any kind of storytelling is strengthened by the diversity of what is offered within the art form or how, how we tell stories in many different ways. And I think that's how we build value for the arts and build value for um, our, our stories of the moment. So I don't know. I, I, I hope that in the future people have adopted these technologies or have adopted a more open-mindedness about bringing in or trying out new things. Less fear of failure, I guess. That's my dream. I'm having every day as well. So <laughs> if you're not at the URIA award, you're not at the forefront of technology. That's exactly. great to hear. So, so at you bet, we say in German, like for all the listeners who are not here, so you don't belong to the forefront um, and the visioneers of tomorrow. Um, you answered all of my questions right now. Do you have any question in return? Oh, oh, I love that. I'm curious about what your favorite live performance experience has been. Do you have something that's like stood out or in recent memory, if, if that's easier? But 
I think there are a lot out there which are really exciting. Um, coming from a technologically uh, company like who's very led on engineering, you know, I always get mm-hmm. asked the question, what's the throughput numbers? How many money you can do with that? So it's, it's, it's a quite difficult one to ask mm-hmm. because I'm always having that in the back of my mind. What's the throughput? How many people you can run through an hour? Mm-hmm. Um, to make it uh, viable also in, a, in an ecological way. So I'm, I'm a little bit, there's so much out there. Um, I did love um, Sleep No More, the interactivity experience in New York. I did like, um, sometimes I love the craziness of the box. Um, um, I mean, that's what we try to combine, like where fusion technology meets live performance. And uh, we're going to show you something uh, during the OREA Award, which is called the Eat Manor. So we're trying to get technology woven in with an art form. But um, as you said, it's difficult and sometimes really depressing because at the moment I do see something great out there. Mm. I'm always having my German mechanical education <laughs> or my dad running through my head thinking like, okay, what's the throughput? And then you realize that you don't reach um, enough of people yet with the form of mm. how we're doing um, the immersive um, storytelling. So I, I'm loving ex- uh, immersive experiences and I'm really thrilled of what you've been talking to us today and I hope a lot of people are looking it up online in the show notes to see what are you exactly doing. I hope that a lot of people will discover that one day And uh, <laughs> but honestly I'm, I haven't found the one experience which I say like it's uh, something uh, which really um, put both ends together like throughput and the immersiveness of it but mm. I think it lies out there the fusion of those two things and I think the first one who delivers that it's going to be really um, shaping the future um, around the world. Challenge accepted. Yeah, okay, <laughs> good. So we talk about those next two days, um, if we can find the secret formula <laughs> of um, shaping the future. Seven years from now. As always, my final question is, looking ahead seven years from now, how do you envision the landscape of performance art technology and immersive experiences evolving considering your groundbreaking work and unique insights? Mm. I think right now, um, especially you know, coming out of such a hard time um, with the pandemic, I think people are really seeking out those in-person, and especially coming out of the social media uh, wave as well, um, I think people are really seeking to redefine their relationships with one another. And I think the performing arts is uh, is what allows us to do that. Um, whether you're an artist um, and the rehearsal room becomes a prototyping space for personal interactions um, or an immersive designer where you are designing those spaces um, why, where people can come together and experience moments of awe um, to reconnect with our, each other and, and these feelings of joy. I think that is the potential that live performance has always held out and continues to hold out to us and our emerging technologies allow us to uh, take it to the next level or to create those kinds of experiences that we can maybe we could only dream of maybe um, today but in the next seven years I hope that we see some of those amazing dreams creative dreams realized perfect and again I'm very honored and pleased that you joined the OREA award and um, of course I'm thrilled because I know we have lovely talks uh, during those two days to shape 
um, the creative dreams of tomorrow. So thank you so much, Debbie, for joining us today. It's been incredibly insightful to dive into the world of performance art and opera with you. We look forward to witness seeing more of your creative projects in the future. Stay creative and until next time. Thanks for having me. Thank you all for listening today. Please tune in next time again to uncover more of what the world of tomorrow holds. Michael Mack presents The World Beyond. Emotions of Tomorrow. A Mack One Production.